Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. You're worthy. Look at your neighbor. Say, get ready. If you beside a woman, say, great woman of God. If you beside a man, say, great man of God. Try it again. Go ahead. Hallelujah. Get ready, great man of God, great woman of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is so wonderful to be here. I was sitting there looking at the women that I've known for 20 years in this church And this is the honest truth. You either have the most amazing plastic surgeons on the planet or your youth is just renewed. And I know it's your youth is just renewed. You are beautiful. I mean beautiful. You never age, First Lady. It's amazing, so amazing. It is an honor to have my big daddy with me this morning. Hallelujah. Dave Costell, my daughter, Rebecca, who's the executive director and does all the administrative work for the ministry. I love you, Mama Pat. She always takes such good care of me. It is an honor to stand in the pulpit of Pastor Tom and First Lady Jenny because they're one. Amen? They're one. And I thank you for all that you have done for me, for my family. Over the years, I've come here many times in need of prayer, and I always get hands laid on me. I've sent people. Everyone in my family has had deliverance prayed over them through Pastor Tom Hauser. You are very, very blessed, Global River. Very, very blessed. And... I do a lot of traveling, and without a doubt, you have one of the most special, anointed pastors I've ever met in my life. So the Bible is clear, and it says, give honor where honor is due. So I need you to stand to your feet and honor the wonderful angels of this house, Apostle Tom, Apostle Jenny, Hauser, you are blessed. You are blessed. You are blessed, Global River. You are blessed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo, amen. Look at that. When you've got your daughter giving you a standing ovation, you know you live for Jesus. Can I get a witness here? I have come with a message that I am so excited to deliver to you. I was telling someone that in 20 years of going on 20 years in ministry, in my opinion, what I am teaching to you today, what I am bringing you today, is the most powerful word that I've ever delivered to a congregation of people. So today, get ready, get your seatbelts on. Can I get a witness here? And get ready to hear 
the Word of God. The title of this sermon is Within God's Covenant, Giants Fall. Within God's covenant, giants fall. Covenant. It's a word many of us in the West, in the United States of America, that we truly do not understand. We have attorneys that are break covenants. We have all kind of contracts that we wiggle our way out of. We have people, even Christians, that do not live up to the word covenant that they gave us that they would do something. However, it's very important to understand that when God, the great I am, tells you he has made a covenant with you, that that covenant is forever and it can never be broken. I love Psalm 89:34 that says, My covenant will I not break nor alter the thing which has come out of my mouth. I love Isaiah 54:10 that says, My unfailing love for you will not be shaken nor my covenant of peace. Covenant. Again, I love this scripture in Hebrews 13, 20, and how relevant that I have come to you teaching on covenant, and we took communion today that represents the covenant of God that Hebrews 13, 20 speaks of. It says distinctly, through the blood of Jesus Christ, we have an eternal covenant with God, almighty people of God. He's got your back. He's got your front. He's got your sides. He's got everywhere you go. He'll make your crooked path straight because he has a covenant with you. You are not forsaken. You are not forgotten. I don't know what you have need of today, but God has sent me with a word that he has made a covenant with you that your need will be met, that what you've come longing this morning in Global River shall be met. You must understand God's covenant is God's protection upon your life. God's covenant is God's protection upon your children, upon your grandchildren. God's protection, God's anointing is with you. Martin Luther said, one with God is a majority. When you've got God, it doesn't matter if millions are against you. You are a majority. When God is on your side, Romans 8, 31, you got everything that you have need of as a man and a woman of God. What are your giants? Within God's covenant, your giants will fall. What are your giants today? Abuse in your childhood that has defined your mindset. Addictions. Depression that is debilitating. Anxiety that is crippling. Financial issues that are screaming to you that poverty is where you're going to live. Is sickness attacking your body? Is that the giant that you're looking at? Children in rebellion acting like they weren't raised by a woman and a man of God. What is your giant this morning? Do you need a breakthrough today? Am I preaching in the right house this morning? If you need a breakthrough, put your hand up and say, I'm going to get my breakthrough today. 
have a covenant with the great I am. Say it out loud. Hallelujah. That gets me excited. Stand to your feet and let's honor the word of God. The most powerful force in the universe. Hebrews 11.3 said, by the word of God, the worlds were created. And by the word of God, the world was framed. You don't like what your life's looking at? Frame it with the word of God. You don't like what your bank account looks like? Frame it with the word of God. You don't like what your children are acting like? Frame it with the word of God. Come on now. I know I'm telling the truth. The word of God will set you free. Open your Bibles, your iPhones, your iPads, your Samsungs, or go old school and get that Bible open right now to 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter. I will be reading verses 1 through 8 in the New King James Version. Hallelujah. Within God's covenant, giants fall. When you have it, say amen. First Samuel, the 17th chapter, verses 1 through 8. When you have it, say amen. amen. There's nothing more beautiful, is there, Pastor Tom, than hearing the pages of the Bible turn. It is so beautiful. My daughter was telling me this morning that the millennials have decided to go back to reading books. They love books. And I thought, yes, the Bible is the most amazing book they'll ever read. Hallelujah. Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at Sokah, which belongs to Judah. They encamped between Sokah and Azka. I can't say these words. I'm not even going to pretend. Can I get a witness here? I have an English degree, but I don't speak Hebrew, and I bet many of you don't either. Okay, can we get a witness? And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and they encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side with the valley between them. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. That's 125 pounds, if you want to know how much his coat weighed. And he had bronze armor on his legs and bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels. And a shield-bearer went before him. Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves, and let him come down to me. You may be seated. This is one of my all-time favorite Old Testament stories in the Bible. I imagine myself many times when I get the great honor of going to heaven, and I always imagine that there's a theater in heaven. 
And the angels run the theater. And we get to ask to see any movie that we want from the Bible. Well, I can assure you, this will be one of my requests. Because how marvelous that one man who was a tiny little shepherd boy in his teenage years decided to stand down a giant. I love this scripture. It gives me hope like none other as a Christian in today's world. The context of this scripture is we have the Israeli, Israeli army on one mountain. We have the children of Israel. They were representing them. And then on the other mountain, we had the Philistines. And they had come into Judah and taken territory they should not have taken, but they were there looking at one another in battle array, and this huge giant, 10 feet tall, came forth, and he was screaming at the children of God, the Israeli army, and he was saying to them, give me a man that will fight me. We're going to win this battle by one of your people coming to fight in this valley. And I'm going to fight against one person that you send to stand against me today. He said, I defy the armies of the living God. You are nothing but servants of Saul. Give me a man. This happened 40 days Day and night, he was coming out, he was screaming at the people of God, and every time he came out, the people of God ran to their tents. And the Bible said they were greatly afraid and they were dismayed, which meant they were falling apart. Jesse decided that he would send his youngest son to this battle. Three of his sons were in the battle, and he told little David, his shepherd-keeping son, he said, go to the battle, take this bread, take these ten cheeses, go to the captain of the army there, and give them this, and check on your brothers, and bring news back to me. And David did just what his father asked him to do. There are no coincidences in this life because just when David shows up, obeying his father, Goliath's coming out again and he's screaming at the people of God. He's taunting them. He's mocking them and he's telling them, obviously they have nobody to stand against him. And David looked at that giant and he looked back at the men running and he said, you said that whoever stood against this giant, that the king had said, if I can just have somebody stand up, if I can have somebody go forward and go fight this giant, I'm going to give him great riches. I'm going to give him my daughter to marry. Can I say they were desperate? Can I get a witness here? Desperate. And then he said, their family would not pay taxes ever again. At that point, my husband would have said, David, you get out there. 
I know you're a golfer, but just go on and take that club, son, because I'm tired of paying taxes. That is exactly what I was thinking. Can I get a witness who's tired of paying taxes? So Saul was desperate for someone to stand. So is God today. God is desperate for us to stand. He is desperate for us to stand and understand and become David's in today's society. And David looked at those men and he said, he will give that for somebody that's going to take down that uncircumcised Philistine that would dare defy the armies of the living God. David was so floored at what he had seen. He couldn't believe that the army was running from this horrible giant. He was in shock that they were so afraid. He could not believe that they were. Why was David, who was just bringing, I, I, I call David the DoorDash boy. You know what I'm talking about? He was just bringing food. He was just the DoorDash guy. He showed up in a major battle saying, I've got this delivery. I'm going to head on back and talk to my daddy. But when he saw what was happening, he couldn't believe it. Why did the little shepherd boy all of a sudden rise up and he decided he was not going to allow Israel to be under such a reproach? It distinctly is because a chapter back in 1 Samuel 16, the Bible says that the prophet had showed up and had anointed this youngest son that nobody would even recognize or cared about. David had the anointing of the living God upon him because even though he was a DoorDash boy, come on now, he was the door, pulled up with the Uber sign. Even though he pulled up with that food, he said, what? Is this giant talking to the people of God this way? Who does he think he is? And the anointing rose up in him and said, I'll take him down. Come on now. Can you imagine that? Men of valor running to their tents. Trained men running, scared, dismayed. I can tell you that the anointing changes everything in your life. I can tell you when you've sat under preaching and teaching like hits these pulpit under this apostle that you're under, under the pastors and the leadership, under the people that they allow to stand in their pulpits, the anointing that rests on the leader of this house rests on you, people of God. And you can tell any devil, leave your house alone. Leave your children alone. Leave your checkbook alone. Leave the lies alone and away from me in the name of Jesus. David had the anointing. The Bible says, and you can go back and check me on it, be like the Bereans. Somebody preaches something from here, check them out. See if they're teaching truth to you. It says in 1 Samuel 16, it said that when the prophet anointed David, that the Spirit of God was upon him from that day forward. He showed up and he understood who he was in the name of Jesus Christ. He understood that this giant 
was uncircumcised. He did not have a covenant with God. He understood, even though it wasn't written out, it had been handed down to him, Genesis 15, where Father Abraham received the covenant with God, and that covenant was recognized through circumcision. That's why David said, how dare that uncircumcised Philistine defy the armies of the living God. When you have a covenant by God, you don't back down. You don't back up. You don't put your head down. You say, I am a child of God, and I have a covenant with God, and I'm not backing down in this situation. Amen. That's why he could stand there and say that. Because he understood that he had a covenant with God. I love that David understood God's protection, God's healing. David had gone through a lot in his lifetime. I always had this saying when I first started ministry, and I've been a lot more refined now. God has helped me. I'm from the country, and sometimes I used to feel it, and I used to say it. I remember one time I was talking with God, and I said, I beg of you, do not let me sit under another preacher and the worst thing they've ever had is an ingrown toenail. I said, I've got to sit under people that have gone through some trials that have faced the devil and looked him in the face and said, no matter what, I know that my God's got this situation in one way or another. All things are going to work out for me. And I love the fact that I've heard many deep prophets say that salvation is free, but the anointing of God costs a lot. You get salvation free, but to walk in a strong anointing, you have had to pay a price. My dad, Roy Ballon, used to say to me, and he is in heaven. Those of you that's read my life story, finally for you know the amazing african-american parents that god gave to me i would go to him when i first went into ministry and i would say dad this has happened to me and i would get whiny and he'd say count it all joy daughter and i would look at him like where is your compassion i am your daughter i'd come again and well so and so's talked about me dad Count it all joy, daughter. Count it all joy. God's doing something in you that you need done in you. Count it all joy. See, you got to understand James, the first chapter and the second verse says, Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters in Christ. As King David, when he walked on that battlefield, he had been prepared through many painful experiences. He wrote Psalm 27:10 that said, Even though my mother and my father forsake me, the Lord God Almighty will adopt me. You've got to understand that the pain and the trials that you are suffering even at this very moment is God making you generals of faith to be able to use for his glory. You can't be used for God's glory if the worst thing you've ever suffered is your latte at Starbucks was not the way you ordered it that day. Can I get a witness here? You can't be used for God's glory if your husband just hurt your feelings. Get over it. Can I get a witness here? You hadn't had your feelings hurt. You haven't been married long. Come on, come on now. Let's be real now. I am telling you, God wants to use you. 
There's no way David could have hit that battlefield and had all that rise up in him if he hadn't seen God work for him. He killed the lion. He killed the bear. And he struck them down as they had the sheep. He had known what it meant to have some trials, to have some troubles. He had understood what that meant. I love that I just recently found out that as my son is a professional golfer, I'm going to share this with him when I see him later. But the golf ball went through an evolution. When they first made it, it was round and smooth. And they thought, well, this is going to be what a golf ball looks like. But they found that when there were some rough patches on it, and when they put some dimples in it, that the ball could go much longer and stronger. That is you, people of God. Have you been dimpled through difficulties? Have you been dimpled through battles? Have you been dimpled through people up in your house acting like they don't know Jesus? Can I get a witness here? Have you been dimpled through church folk? Come on now. I know nobody's ever been hurt in church. Come on. I'm sure of that. Have you been dimpled? God sent me to tell you. Now I can use you for my glory. Now you'll go farther. You'll go stronger. And your darkest trials that you battle as a child of God is dimpling you like a golf ball that you'll be able to hit the target, that you'll be able to keep rolling when it looks like you should be stopping, that you'll be able to keep going no matter what. That's why David was so powerful when he was the DoorDash guy that day. I love when they took this little shepherd boy to King Saul. And they said, here he is. He said he's going to go on the battlefield. And he's going to take that giant down. And there was David. And he said, I've killed a lion and I've killed a bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine is going to be done the same way. Can you imagine what Saul thought? Because the truth is, Saul should have been on the battlefield. Saul was a lot taller than everybody else. Remember, he was made king. And he was taller than everybody else. He was the big man. He was the king. And during this time, as the king, he was supposed to be the best warrior. And when a nation challenges someone to a duel... The king steps forward. But we know this king, and you can check me out in 1 Samuel 15. 1 Samuel 15. This king had disobeyed God and lost his anointing. That's why he was hiding in a tent. That's why he was scared and falling apart and had his men running right behind him. Because you can't go any further than your leader goes. Can I get a witness here? And you got some leaders that's been a mighty long way, that's been dimpled in the Holy Spirit. Most people would have thrown in the towel, but they just... Just, uh, squeezed the sweat out and said, bring it on, devil. I'm never backing back. I will do what God says. And Saul said to him, you are nothing but a youth. And Goliath has been a warrior ever since he was a youth. You can't do it. That didn't back David down. He kept saying, oh, no. That uncircumcised Philistine is going down today, and I'm your man. Can I get a witness here? And it's so funny because then King Saul wanted to 
put his armor on him. Saul was tall. That would be like Dave Costell telling Pat Walls, put my armor on. That's not going to happen. It's not going to fit. But there was David. He put it on, and he said, I can't wear this. I have not tested it. What he is saying is I've tested this slingshot I got right here. I know I can hit a target every time I throw this slingshot. And I can see King Saul. He's thinking, you're going to take him down with a slingshot. I know he's thinking, you either called by God, you anointed by God, or you crazy. Come on now. He was thinking that you want to go out on that battlefield and you want to stand against that giant. And he said, go. And the Lord be with you. The Lord be with you. I, I, I have to share this right here. In my notes, I'll leave my notes in a heartbeat. In my notes, I can assure you, because of all the pain, all the rejection, all the being outside in the wilderness and sleeping with the sheep, I can assure you when they brought David forward to meet King Saul, I'm making a point here, that he wasn't no little pretty boy in no skinny jeans with no fancy mustache with $400 sneakers. Uh-uh. He was a man of God. He was weathered. He was ruddy. And he was standing there strong in his little shepherd outfit. Come on now. Because in the supernatural... He had on the army of, armor of God. Don't be moved by people and how they look. You better be moved by whether the anointing of God is upon them. Don't be moved by their sneaker, sneaker closet. Come on now. Don't be moved by their shoes. And I love shoes, but don't be moved by people's shoes. If they aren't moving in the anointing, they taught me on Castle Street in Wilmington, North Carolina, when I went to Bible study, they taught me, if you're not anointed, put the mic down and let somebody that is anointed preach the gospel. It is not what we have on. It is not our following on social media. It is not our Facebook friends. It is, is God's anointing on us when we pick up a mic. Yes, his anointing is on you. Because you have a covenant with God. You have a covenant with God. Look at your neighbor say, you have a covenant with God. We must realize, as the people of God, we must be like David was. David did not look at how big his giant was. During this time, the Israeli army, the average size of a warrior was five foot three. Five foot three. And then Goliath's ten feet tall. And here we have David, who isn't even full grown yet. He wasn't looking at how big his giant was. He was looking at his covenant with God Almighty. He wasn't looking at that he could have died that day. He's looking at how big his God is. Come on, people of God, I need you to get this. Whatever giant is in your life today... 
whatever is going on in your life today. Do not look at how big your problem is. You need to look at how big your God is. Do not look at how long you've been addicted to that drug. Look at God that hung on a cross so you could be free from that drug. Don't look at how big your situation is. You need to look at how big your God is, and it changes everything. You may say, well, that's all sweet and nice you saying that. Well, I'm saying it because the big C came into my life twice. Cancer, not COVID. Can I get a witness? The big C is cancer, not COVID. But the real big C is Christ, honey. We don't have to bow down to anything. And I am telling you, when they called me on March the 3rd, 2018 at 2 o'clock p.m. And that oncologist told me distinctly, we hate to give you this bad news, especially on Good Friday. We're sorry to ruin your Easter, but cancer is back in your body. I said, don't you worry about calling me because it's Good Friday. And Good Friday means Jesus already took cancer on the cross. Don't worry about giving me this news. I know who I serve. I know who I've served all these years. And... I am well able to have a good Easter because of Jesus Christ. I just had another checkup, and they said, Miss Costell, we consider you cured, and we consider you cancer-free. And I am telling you, that is nothing but my God, and he made a covenant with me. He can do it every time. People may say, well, what happened to so-and-so? Why didn't they make it? I'm not looking at who didn't make it. I'm looking at who came out of that grave. I'm not judging why they didn't make it. Hebrews 9, 27 said it could have been their appointed time to go. We praying against God sometimes, but if it's not their appointed time to go, you better pray them up out of the grave. Can I get a witness here today? Five foot three or shorter. Little shepherd boy dared to tell a king that he could take down a giant. I need you to pay close attention to 1 Samuel 17, 34. I want you to pull your Bibles back out. I want you to highlight it, underline it, put the rainbow colors on it. I don't, you know how we all do. We have our Bibles all marked up, but it's our, our life marked by God. Come on now, it's time to be real. 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter and the 34th verse. Here we have David talking to King Saul. And I love, what did David leave his house as? A shepherd. David knew when he hit that battlefield and Goliath was scaring everybody and King Saul was hiding in his tent. He knew that he was going to step into that anointing that that prophet had spoken over his life. He knew this was his opportunity by God to take a giant down. Some of you need to understand 
The giants you're facing today are setups by God for you to understand what a warrior you are. The covenant that God has with you. This is your opportunity that you've had prophecies given over you that you're a warrior, that you're going to tear up the kingdom of darkness. Well, you got to take a giant down. you got to step into the call by God and look at what is said here. And it is in the New King James Version when I read it. I said, gone, David, hunty, hunty, you got it going on. He said, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep my father's sheep. Did he send him with the food and said, you no longer going to be a shepherd? You getting ready to take a giant? He said, give the food and come back to me. He said, I used to be a shepherd. I used to keep care of sheep. I used to love on lambs in the field. I used to be a shepherd. He knew he was a king. And he said, but now I'm going to take this giant down. He knew he wasn't going to be keeping sheep anymore. He knew he wasn't going to be the same person anymore. He knew that he was getting ready to step in that kingship that that prophet spoke over his life. He knew this was an opportunity. Used. U-S-E-D. I was an English teacher. That means past tense. That means he's not going to be a shepherd anymore. His daddy didn't release him, his natural father, but his father in heaven said, you're never keeping sheep again. You're going to take this giant down because the truth is the one that should have been on that battlefield was King Saul. And on that battlefield was King David getting ready to hit that field. He understood who he was. Do you understand who you are? Have declarations you say over yourself. Every day I get up and I speak the word of God over myself and over my family. Every day those declarations go forward and, and go before me. And he stood in front of the king's face and said, I used to be a shepherd. Saul was so scared he didn't even realize what was going on. That he, let me go back to this. He put his armor on him. Don't you let people put stuff on you when they're not even using it to win a victory. If you're having marriage problems, why are you going to your friends been divorced five times? Can I get a witness here? If you need some counseling on keeping your husband, why are you calling so-and-so? Honey, I need to know how to keep my... Uh, you better leave him, honey. You better leave him. I'm so glad I left my four husbands. You better go to somebody that's won some battles. You don't need to be dealing with people that have not won a victory and then they're putting their mess on you whether you know it or not, people of God. You need to put on the armor of your apostle in this house. When he stands and blesses you, you better take that blessing upon you. When your leaders bless you, you better take that blessing. When Pastor Jerome Bullard prays over the congregation, every time I receive it, I receive it, I receive it, I'm receiving those blessings left and right. When pastors prayed over me, Apostle Tom Hauser, I receive it, I receive it, I receive it. He's probably heard me even saying it. I say it with my mouth. I receive it. Be who God created you to be. Do what God created you to do. Do not be a copycat. 
Be your own person. Do what God told you to do. Don't change yourself. I'm not changing me anymore. I'm going to be me. I'm going to preach in heels till I'm 99 if I'm not raptured out of here. I told Rebecca, I'm in that casket. Rip the cover back and make sure there's four-inch stilettos then, honey, because I'm landing in heaven in heels. I'm going to be me. Can I get a witness here? I'm not going to back down. Men that don't think women should preach, take it up with my God. He called me to preach. Come on now. I'm not going to back down. I am not going to back down. You don't know where I've been. When I opened my alabaster box, in that box was a nine-year-old that was raped. My mind was messed up. I had sexual spirits. I was a whore in the spirit, and God healed me and delivered me, and I am a righteous woman of God. I got a sound mind. I got a king that loves me. I'm going to preach the gospel no matter what. I'm going forward no matter what, and nobody's going to make me be anything that Jesus has called me to be. And the same for you. And the same for you. It's called salt and pepper in the Holy Ghost right here in front of me. Slap your neighbor and say, come on, she's really fired up now. And say, most importantly, I feel the Holy Ghost. Go with me in your mind. Go with me to the valley of Elah. Go with me and see that five-foot-three teenager stepping in that valley as he faced that ten-foot giant wearing a 125-pound coat of, of mail and all these things on his legs and a shield-bearer running before him. There was that man of God, that future king of Israel, knowing in the supernatural is the only way he was going to win this battle. He didn't have on any armor. He didn't have a sword in his hand. He went on that battlefield with a shepherd's staff, a pouch with five smooth stones in it, and a slingshot. And all of a sudden, Goliath saw him, and he started mocking him. There are spirits that's been mocking you, people of God. Their spirits reminding you of all the battles that you've lost and they're mocking you. You've got to be like David. Don't you back down from them. And Goliath just said, who am I, a dog, that you would send a stick to beat me with? Who am I that you would do this? And then he looked at David. And I can assure you, he saw the anointing on him. Because all 41 days, he stepped out and taunted the people of God. He never did what he did at this point. He cursed David by his gods. He didn't need backup to that little shepherd boy stepped out on that field. He didn't need to try to curse him using witchcraft until that little boy stepped out on that field. And he said, I'm going to feed you to the birds, little boy. I'm paraphrasing. I'm going to cut your head off. I'm going to feed you to the birds and to the wild beast. And he's drawing near to David. See, that was David's time, like the rest of them, when it was time to run and fall apart. But not this boy. 
He understood he had a covenant with God. Not these people of God. Y'all understand you have a covenant with God. And when the enemy's coming at you that strong, then that's not when you back up. The Bible said that David hurried toward that giant. And I love what he said. Because let me tell you something. The anointing will make you do some crazy stuff. Can I get a witness here? The anointing. Yes, will change your life. The anointing came upon David at that very hour. And he put that head up. He said, hey, he said, you're not cutting my head off today. I'm going to cut your head off. I'm going to feed your body to the birds. And he even went further. He said, all of you is going to the birds today. Not just you, Goliath. I'm going to feed the whole camp to the birds today. See, the anointing came upon him. And then he said... And I love it. Go with there. You see why I want to see this in heaven. Go there. All of a sudden, the Philistines are all looking. Children of Israel, them warriors are saying, hey, he's either called by God or that's a crazy boy. Everybody got quiet. And then David said, nope, I'm taking your head off. And he's running at him and he's twirling that slingshot. He said, I'm going to take your head off today. I'm going to kill all you today. There's going to be a feasting of the buzzards today, but he's all of you going down, he said. And he said, how dare you defy the army of the living God? How dare you do this? And he said, all the assembly. I said David did a little shepherd dance. Oh, y'all look at all the assemblies going to know today that there is a God in Israel. And the reproach that's been put on this people today is going to be removed. You're going down. And all of a sudden, he slung it. Amen. Was so anointed. Went through his helmet. Sunk into his forehead. And he fell face first in front of a little shepherd boy. And that wasn't enough. See, anointing makes you crazy, Pastor Tom, in a good way. I'm talking about you get, you get crazy faith. Michael Todd talks about crazy faith. I'm talking about crazy faith. He didn't stop then. He ran. He got Goliath's sword. He ripped that thing out of there. That's a little boy doing all this. And he took it and he cut his head off. And then he grabbed that big old head, uh, picked it up. And went and gave it to Saul. He said, here you go. I don't know about you, but I got some giants taunting me. And I'm cutting their heads off. I, what's, what's taunting you today? What's telling you? Is it depression? Is it anxiety? Is it abuse? Is it your child in prison? Have they been locked up? See, I go behind them walls. I feel more anointing behind the walls than I feel in the churches. Because, see, they desperate for God. We're not desperate enough out here. They in the Word of God. I have been in prisons and start saying a scripture. The first time it happened, I was like shook or shaken. Forget English at this point. I started a scripture. They finished it in unison. I've never seen word like that come out of people. It's time to take the giants down. It's time to take the generational curses down. It's time as the people of God to quit crying. I've been crying before. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm real transparent behind this microphone. When my son came and told me a few months ago, that alcohol had taken over his life. 
I, I wanted to cry. And the Holy Spirit said, get up. Bind that devil. It had you. It's not going to have him. He said, get up. You know what to do. You're a warrior. Cut his head off so he will not mess with your child anymore. I stand before you right now. My son is three months sober. He is doing amazing. And I, that devil has had his head cut off in the name of Jesus. What are you battling today? What generational curse is trying to come upon you and your children? It's time to cut that head off. You kill a snake, you don't cut his tail off. Can I get a witness? You cut his tail off, that head's going to come and bite you. You got to cut the head off. That's why David ran and he cut the head off. It's time for us as the people of God to be like David and to say, how dare you cross the bloodline of my family? How dare you? You got to walk in your house alone some nights. Sometimes I'm hoarse from preaching, but sometimes I'm hoarse from walking my den and telling the enemy, back off in the name of Jesus. You think the enemy's happy I go in those prisons and minister to those women? No, but he's got to back off in the name of Jesus. The giant of sexual abuse over those women have to back off in the name of Jesus. We got to stop backing off. It's time for us to pray about our government. Not to complain about our government. Complain means to remain. It's time for you to pray about our government. It's time for you to pray about your marriage. Women, don't you ever have lunch with a group of women and roast your husband. I don't care what he's doing. If they not sincerely praying, you opening the door for one of them to get it. I've heard it get him more than once. Women coming in my office. She was my best friend, and she ran off with my husband. I said, you tell her how sorry he was? Did you tell her the trouble you were having? Yes. Uh-uh. You tell it to Jesus. Tell it to pastors. Tell it to women of God that I pray you through. You tell it to ones that matter. Don't you chew your husband and spit him out. You love on your husband. Men, can I get an amen in this house? I am telling you. Amen. And men... Men, some of your prayers not getting answered. The Bible says in 1 Peter that your prayers are hindered because you're not treasuring your wives. Come on now. Dave said, there she goes. I can quote that one. It is time for us to understand the anointing. The anointing of God will make you believe things that you cannot believe in the natural. The anointing of God will make you believe you can pay your house off. The anointing of God can make you believe love can come back in your marriage and romance. Come on now. The anointing of God, all the single women in the house, will make you believe that Boaz could be at the Starbucks tomorrow morning. You know what I'm talking about. Don't be going up there looking tore up from the floor up. Go in there looking like Boaz is going to be serving you your coffee or waiting there with his computer. The anointing of God will change your life forever. <laughs> amen. Amen. The anointing of God will cause all those prodigals to come home. The anointing of God will heal your body. The anointing of God will make you do things you never thought you would do. 
The anointing of God will cause a very successful corporate nuclear engineer man who was in line to be a senior vice president of one of the biggest companies in the world. The anointing of God caused him to leave it all and come and pastor a church, take the gospel to mission fields, lay hands on the sick, teach his people how to live in victory, take us into a deeper walk. He gave it all up. That doesn't make sense in the natural, but in the supernatural, Pastor Tom, the crowns that you're going to have to lay at the feet of Jesus and the rewards. The anointing of God will cause a parent to keep praying for their child, their son or their daughter that's overdosed many times will keep calling out to God, believing for their child to be delivered. The anointing of God will cause you never to give up, to never back down and believe for Luke 137 that says there is nothing impossible with my God, the anointing of God will cause you to love the unlovable. The anointing of God will cause you to forgive those that you should be hating. The anointing of God will cause you to believe that today is the day of miracles in your life. The anointing of God will cause you to say, there is nothing hard. For my God, Genesis 18, 14, Jeremiah 32, 27, Jeremiah 32, 17. I know them because the anointing of God will make you look at your life differently. The anointing of God will cause you to stand on a battlefield that you're not equipped in the natural for. But in the supernatural, you realize there is nothing too hard for your God. What I want us to do today is first and foremost, I want every eye closed except apostles, Jenny and apostles, Tom, if they can come and stand on both sides of me, they're the authority in this house. Every eye closed and heads bowed. The Lord told me people would be here that need a Savior. That you know that if today you left this earth, that you're not for sure you would be absent from the body and present with the Lord. If you are here today and you need to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, or you need to get your life back because you're in a backslidden condition, all you have to do, we are not going to embarrass you, we're not going to call you up here. All you have to do is put your hand up, and everybody, nobody's looking but the three of us. Amen. Amen. I see those hands. Hallelujah. I see those hands. Hallelujah. Praise God. This is your day. Anyone else? If that's you, raise your hand. We've had several hands go up. Anyone else? You want to get it right? I want everybody to repeat this prayer after me. And our four hands I counted, we are going to... Say this with you. Repeat after me, everybody. Say, Father God, I come to you humbly and ask forgiveness of all of my sins. I ask, Lord, that you accept me, knowing you will. I am your child now. I ask for protection 
for the anointing and to be in the kingdom forever. I forgive myself, Lord, because that's the hardest person to forgive. I come to you as a child, believing you died and rose again. I believe the word of God. And now I know I am a Christian. Amen. Y'all better stand and give God some praise for our family that came to Christ this morning. You better stand and give him praise. Hallelujah. Now, as the apostles are here, and I'm getting right between them, they are so anointed. If there are giants in your life, and I'm a prison preacher, I can pray corporately. And I know I've already gone over, but we don't care. We're charismatics. Can I get a witness here? We don't care. I know how long I used to be in them clubs. I don't care if I'm in church this long. Now, if you have a giant in your life that you need to come down today, it could be a giant of addiction, abuse, financial, your marriage, could be your child, any of those that fit you, your point of contact right now is to just lift your hand unto God. And you'll notice there's a lot of giants that need to come down. You in a place where there's no judgment. There is no judgment. Apostle Jenny said they're coming down. They're coming down, meaning the giants. So you keep them up. Hey, my God. So I speak in the name of Jesus right now. I command every giant you leave the people of God alone. Every giant of debt. Every giant of depression. Every giant of prodigal children. Every giant of addictions. Every giant of the wrong mindset. Every giant of anxiety. Every giant of PTSD. Every giant of mental torment. Every giant of mental illness. Every giant of physical sickness. Every giant right now of abuse. I speak to you in the name of Jesus. Right now in Jesus' name, I stand here with the apostles of this house. And I'm under their spiritual leadership. And we command in the name of Jesus Christ, every giant, I say, loose the people of God. Go down in the name of Jesus. I take the sword of the Spirit. I cut your head off right now. You shall not keep tormenting the people of God. You shall not keep lying to the people of God. We say no. We say be gone. We move in Luke 10, 19. That gives us authority in the word of God. And we command every giant, go in Jesus' mighty name. Go in the name of Jesus. And just like, just like the children of God, the Israeli army realized when the giant fell, they shouted, they had victory, they moved in faith as never before that their enemy was gone. So right now, people of God, shout for God has heard your prayers. Shout for God has heard your prayers. Shout for God has heard your prayers. Shout. One more shout! One more shout! Woo! Look at your neighbor. Say, I'm free. The giant's gone. 
giant's gone. The giant's gone. Hallelujah. I'm going to turn it over to Apostle Tom. Hallelujah. High five your neighbor. They didn't learn that on the streets. That's Jewish that says I'm in covenant with God and I'm in covenant with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo. Thank you, Jennifer, for bringing that powerful word. Thank you, Lord.